Hey there, this is Pastor Corey, and welcome to the Branch Life Podcast. After you're done listening, I invite you to connect with us at branchlife.church to make sure you're up to date with everything going on at Branch Life. Want to share what you heard today? Subscribe to our YouTube channel and share this video with someone you want to encourage. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope that this presentation helps you connect with Christ and challenges you to reach those around you with the good news of Jesus. You may have guessed that tonight we're jumping into our wisdom series, and it's probably going to have something to do with friendship. We're in the middle of a summer series called Hashtag Wisdom, and the idea of this conversation is to help us understand what the Bible says about not only making a good decision, but making the best decision. And isn't the best superpower of all the ability to make the best decision every time? So last week, we started talking about wisdom on choices. So how do you choose? How do you make the right choice? Because after all, life is choices, and choices have consequences. So let's make the right choices. And last week, we gave you kind of three steps or three ways to think about making the right choice or making the best choice. And if you have not had a chance to see that conversation, I want to encourage you to jump online and to listen through that because the wisdom of making choices now will affect every topic that we talk about for the rest of the summer. Because everything that we talk about in this series really boils down to what we choose connected to the topic of money, of relationships, of parenting, and the other things that will come up. So those principles that we shared last week, we're going to build on them with specific topics that then come up in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs was written by the wisest man in the world, King Solomon. When God asked him for anything, he asked for wisdom and God was pleased and gave him wisdom in spades. And then Solomon wrote for his sons and for the rest of us this book on wisdom. And a proverb is simply a guideline that is structured for you to follow. It's a generally true statement that gives you uh, a map as you walk down the road of life in a lot of these different areas. So tonight, we're going to jump into a conversation about friendship. We're going to see what Proverbs has to say, what the wisdom on friendship may be. Now, friendship is a very, very important topic. You may be in here, you may be like, yay, friendship, let's talk it over, I'm so excited. And you may be in here like, friends, meh. Ah, who needs them? Let me just encourage you this evening. Friendship and friends are life change agents. Friends are life change agents. Whether you've got good ones, whether you've got bad ones. Whether you are a good one, whether you are a bad one. Whether you have friends aplenty or not any to go around. The way that you deal with friendship is a life-changing decision. So your choice in friendship matters. And if any of you are parents of teenagers in here, or ever were parents of teenagers in here, you've had that conversations with your kids about their friends. Now, friendships don't just accidentally appear, right? It's a very romantic idea of friendship, right? Uh, falling in love is easy, but staying in love is hard. We don't really generally fall into friendships, although there are times, whether by proximity or by uh, uh, common interest, we find ourselves hanging out more and more with a friend. But friendship has kind of been hijacked in the last 10 years, and it's been redefined for us. Because after all, if you have a friend, isn't that a specific relationship on Facebook? 
And, and the more friends you have on Facebook, the more important you are. You may be looking at this number, 465 friends, and be like, I got that beat. <laughs> Only 465? And again, the person here that's like, friends, eh, they're like, 465 friends? Who has time? I, I have a lot of friends on Facebook just because of what I do and the different areas I'm involved in and so communicating. And often people will come up to me and they'll say, hey, did you see my post on Facebook? I'm like, no. The chances of me seeing your post, what flies by in a, on a given day, I have no idea. We kind of expect that every one of our friends is now following our lives and our every detail, everything that gets posted on social media. And this idea of knowledge of what other people are doing and when they're doing and what they're posting, it, it turns into what the Bible calls friendship, is not a good idea. Now, it, this would be better called, instead of friends on Facebook, it'd be better called neighbors. It's, it's kind of this association that you have with people that you're doing life with. And you have a lot of neighbors on Facebook. You may have 400 or 500 or 1,000 neighbors on Facebook. But that doesn't necessarily make them friends. As a matter of fact, our first proverb that we're going to look at, and if you have your Bible, you can jump into these. I put them up all on the screen. You can write them down in your notes. But we're going to hit a whole bunch of different proverbs tonight. Proverbs 18, verse 24 says this, A man of many companions may come to ruin. Because just how do you deal with it all, right? I think this is one of the greatest verses for, um, against polygamy. You know, if, if you're going to have more than one wife, you're in trouble, right? It's not something that we should be involved in. So you think about then Facebook and you go, uh-oh, Solomon's dropping some wisdom on me here. But there is a friend who sticks closer than the brother. And here's the good news. Here's, here's the awesome thought to think about tonight. There is someone out there that for you is a closer relationship than even a sibling. That exists. And that's a blessing. And that's something we need to know and understand and go after and cultivate. And that's something we also need to be. Because there is a friend that sticks closer than the brother. And, and so many times people read this verse and they go, yes, it's Jesus. That is so true, but that is not what this proverb is talking about. Jesus was not born yet when Solomon wrote this proverb. He's actually talking about a real, not that Jesus isn't real, a person in your life right here, right now, today. So that's great news. So we're going to talk about some wisdom that's given to us about Proverbs. And this is the question that's going to help us answer. What makes a good friend? You've, you've probably introduced a friend at some point or another and you came up to a conversation and you said, this is Joe and he is my good friend. Well, what makes somebody a good friend? How do they all of a sudden get into that category of not just somebody I know, not just a friend, but a good friend? In Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20, it says, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companions of fools will suffer harm. By raise of hand, you need to admit this. How many of you have gotten in trouble because of a friend? How many of you have gotten in trouble because of a friend? My friend made me do it, right? 
if it wasn't for my friend, then you get in trouble and the police officer comes and there's a conversation and you're there with your parents and you're trying to explain that so-and-so did this and if they jumped off a bridge, would you too? And, and there's this, everything's building and it's happening and you said, I, I wouldn't have done this if it wasn't for my friend. In the book of Proverbs, there's always this kind of yin-yang in the, in, the, in the different verses and it's really interesting to find out. One is the positive, and the other is the negative. And it's constantly comparing the two. So in Proverbs, when it talks about somebody who's wise, it'll often immediately then talk about someone who is foolish. And it's going to show you this contrast all through the book. And so as you read these principles, this is very typical in the layout of Proverbs. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. And it is true that the company you keep affects the direction of your life. And if you surround yourself with good friends, your life is affected in a positive way. If you surround yourself with foolish friends, your life is affected in a negative way. So just because someone is close, just because I like hanging out with them, does not mean they are good. What makes a close friend a good friend? Close friends are good friends when they are wise friends. If you're writing stuff down, this would be kind of the overriding principle of today's talk. Close friends are good, good for you friends when they are wise friends. And God says as you build into your life this healthy pattern of friendship, wisdom needs to be a part of the mix. And as you choose, and yes, friendship is a choice. As you choose friends, the wisdom factor should matter because it has a great bearing on the rest of your life. Now you may be in here and you may be like, I'm way past the friendship thing. I'm not doing the high school, college thing anymore. I found my somebody. Listen, these principles apply to every friendship on every level. And isn't it the best thing in the world to be married to your best friend? Some of you are in here and you're in a relationship with with your husband or your wife. And they are one of your favorite people on the planet. And you're, you're in here going, that's an awesome place to be. And every great marriage is founded in a great friendship. These principles matter. Others, you're in here and you're looking at your spouse and you're going, they are not my favorite person on the planet, especially not today. These principles are going to help you. Some of you may be in your golden years and you may be past that whole peer thing. These principles are going to help you. These principles help you in your relationships at school and at work and on teams These are foundational principles for friendship. And so as we dive into these today, I hope that you will open your heart to the conversation and to the practical wisdom that's being brought into this conversation so that it can affect many relationships that you have, not just the best friend relationship, although that's the angle that we'll be talking about today. And if, and if you get these principles right, just imagine with me what happens where your relationships go, the level that they are able to build on, and the direction that it will send your life. And then instill these principles in those that come behind. So we'll jump into three reasons wise friends make the best friends. 
As we go through Proverbs, we're not just trying to make good choices. We're not just trying to make better choices. We're trying to make the best choices. So why do wise friends make the best friends? If I have a BFF, man, if I'm picking the somebody that I'm running through life with, my spouse and my bestie and whoever they are, these best friends, the best friends are wise friends. And here's three reasons why that happens. Reason number one, they are faithful, not fair-weathered. Wise friends are faithful, not fair-weathered. In Proverbs chapter 17, 17, one of the most famous verses in all the Bible, it says this, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. There's not some cryptic message to this proverb. It simply says when you have a wise friend for a friend, they love you no matter what. Friendship in this case then is dependable. Friendship in this case is unequivocal and unconditional. Wise friends make the best friends because they love at all times. And for those of you that have been traveling through life, you know that when you've been in a low spot, there has been somebody that has able to walk along life with you. That's a wise friend. And you, in turn, have been able to walk along life with somebody else. That's a wise friend. But here's the problems with friends. Sometimes they get super annoying. Sometimes friends get super aggravating. Sometimes friends just get downright hurtful. The most pain that you will be caused in your life will be caused by a friend. That's what happens. And in those moments, most friendships dissolve or they part ways. But a friend, a wise friend, is a faithful friend no matter what. They don't just jump off the bandwagon when it's become unpopular or become easy or become hard. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 6. Many a man proclaimed his own steadfast love, but a faithful man who can find wise friends are, that are faithful are rare. They're rare. It's like the, the elusive Bigfoot. You might think that they're out there, but man, show me one. In Proverbs chapter 19, verse 22, what is desired in a man is steadfast love. And a poor man is better than a liar. This, th we lose a little bit in the English on this proverb right here. A poor man is better than a liar. It's talking about a poor man that has a faithful friend is better than a rich man who has a friend who is not faithful. Who lies about their love and their intention in that relationship. So... Reason number one, wise friends make the best friends is because they are dependable. And just like last week, we want to ask ourselves some evaluating questions as we go through these three principles tonight. And you can use your cards to respond if you would like to. The question that we need to ask about dependability is how is Jesus a dependable friend? How is Jesus a dependable friend? In the, in the picture of the prodigal son, the son came running back and the father represents God and God is there with open arms ready to love him no matter what. Jesus is a dependable friend because he has already given everything he has for you and what you have done and what you will do does not take that gift away. It is still presented. It is still out there. He is still ready to receive you with open arms. There is nowhere you can go to escape the love of Jesus. There's no mountain high enough to get you away from the love of Jesus. There's no valley low enough. There's no ocean deep enough that can separate you from the love of God. And that's the example of true friendship. That's dependability. That is faithfulness. And that is what God says wise friends are. 
You can't separate them from the love, no matter how annoying, no matter how aggravating, and no matter how hurtful they've become. Love is unconditional and extended out. And Jesus ultimately shows us that demonstration. Then therefore, are you a dependable friend? Or are you fair weather? Are you someone who will stick with the relationship even when it's hard, even when it's inconvenient, even when it's not fun? Because love is unconditional. Proverbs chapter, in the book of Proverbs, over and over again, it talks about steadfast love being a key component of great friendships. Number two, the second reason wise, wise friends make the best friends is because they are forgivers, not list makers. They are forgivers. Now, I'm not talking about the list of what you need to get done. Honey, do this. Honey, do that. Honey, do that. I'm not talking about that. So don't stop poking your wife and say, stop making lists. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the good list and the bad list. We're talking about the black list, right? And, and, and you, you know what I'm talking about if you or someone you know is a list maker. When somebody offends you, when someone says something wrong, when they, when they uh, do something in a wrong way, their name then goes on a list. And this is the list of people we are not friends with. And so I have this list, and this list is, is uh, the blacklist, and we stay away from them because do you know what they did? And then along everybody's name is a list of the things that they did that were offensive, the words that they said that were hurtful, the, the inappropriate actions that took place. And you record those things. And every time you see a picture of that person, every time you walk into a room and that person's there, every time you come to church and they're in the lobby, you check your list. That's so-and-so and here's what they did. And then you start having conversations and you, you, you stop having conversations, you stop having a relationship because you've kept the mental list. And I, I'll tell you, as someone, I am not naturally a list maker. I'm very forgetful, so you can offend me and I'll forget about it in a couple of minutes. It's, it's one of my superpowers. But trying to keep track of other people's offenses is super hard. And it takes me back to junior high and so-and-so is sitting with so-and-so and now we can't sit there. We're not talking to them anymore and I just can't keep track of that stuff. And it's hard to be friends with list makers because there's, there's times and places that if you cross the line, you've offended it. But here's what Proverbs says. Whoever covers an offense seeks love. But he who repeats the matter separates close friends. I remember in college we were playing a game out in the quad. And the game was, as many of our dorm buddies as we could, to push a 15-passenger van that was in neutral as far as we could, as fast as we could, faster than the other dorm who was trying to push their 15-passenger van as far as they could, as fast as they could. So we're all lined up on this van, and we're getting ready to push it, and we're one, two, three, go, and we're pushing, and it's starting to roll, and I've got my spot, and I'm right next to the big door that slides shut, and I'm like, you know what, if only this door was shut, we would be able to pull it faster. So I grab the door, and I slam it shut. Only, only did I not realize in that moment that my friend, my good friend who was right in front of me had his hand where the door latches. And I just crushed his fingers in that sliding van door. He screamed, I screamed, everybody screamed. We said, keep pushing it, we can't lose to the other dorm. Quickly got the door back open. He had the cartoon fingers that were bent wrong ways. And I immediately felt awful. 
A pit went in my stomach. I did not want to hurt that guy. I'm like, I will take you to the hospital. I will pay your bills. I'm so, so sorry. He immediately looked at me after the tears left his eyes and said, don't worry about it, man. Don't worry about it. And I said, no, 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 I'm sorry, I'm sorry. He goes, no, it's an accident. I totally understand. Don't worry about it. Are you sure it's okay? Yeah, and I, I went back to him that night. I went back to him the next day. I'm so sorry. I can't believe I did that. And every time he looked at me, he goes, Josh, it's all right. I'm, I, this isn't going to matter. It happened. And what a gracious reaction he had. In that moment and in that time, he could have decided, could have chosen to be extremely upset with me. Look what you did. What were you thinking or were you thinking? I can't believe you. Look at my hand. This is your fault. And if he would have taken that posture, if he would have put Josh Park slams fingers indoors, and every time I came up to him, he goes, oh, hey, Josh, remember the hand thing? Yeah, we're not talking. Our friendship could have been ruined, not because someone did something offensive, which what I did was very offensive, but because he kept a list, would have kept track of the hurt and the pain, and then held it against me. This proverb says the wise friend takes that offense and covers it. Covers it. Can't see it. It's just like it's not there. Out of sight, out of mind. And our friendship survives. But if you keep speaking it, if you keep whispering it, if you keep talking about it, that friendship will be, will be done. And there will be separation. How good are we at bringing up offense? How good are we at reminding people how they hurt us and what they said and what they were thinking and were they not thinking? How good are we at holding something against someone else? Wise friends do not hold offenses. They cover it. Wise friends do not speak of offenses. They let them go. In your relationships, there will be guaranteed 100% offenses. There will be pain. There will be hurt. Some will be accidental and some will be intentional. But Proverbs says, what do we do with those offenses? We cover them and we protect the friendship. We protect the friendship We don't make the list. In Proverbs 17, verse 14, the beginning of strife is like letting out water. So quit before the quarrel breaks out. So if you have, and this is the picture, Here's here's a barrel and it's full of water. And at the bottom there's a cork. And it's, you're starting to get... I'm, we're going to have a conversation and this is going to happen and then I'm going to pop and whoosh. And this quarrel happens and you all know when you're fighting with somebody, the things that you say that were kind of in the back of your mind or on the list and they just come out in spades and loudly and very effectively in that moment. And in this quarrel, all kinds of damage is done. And when you are, when strife is beginning, listen, how do you solve a, 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 an argument? You don't have it. Stop it before it happens. But then how am I supposed to get my point across? Like how, don't do it with a quarreling attitude. Do it with communication. And that's a whole nother conversation. But a lot of times you will regret the things that you say in anger. You will regret the things that you say in the midst of hurt and in the heat of the emotion. And so this proverb is saying just don't. 
And if you take a beat, and if you take a moment, and if you stop, and if you go through the choice-making processes we talked about last week, give it time to pray, let it settle, see if it's something actually worth fighting about, you'll keep a hold of a lot of relationships that you would have broken. In Proverbs chapter 18, verse 19, it says, A brother offended is more unyielding than a strong city. Super hard to get through the gates. And a quarreling friend is like the bars of a castle. Again, there's just no entrance allowed. And you know when you're in the midst of a fight, man, when you're holding up against somebody, that that relationship then becomes like trying to talk to a brick wall. How do we, how do we, how do we stop that? We cover the offense. It's just not worth it. And then you don't have those arguments where you said, I can't even remember what we were fighting about to begin with. They're forgivers, not list makers. It gets worse. This isn't just talking about friends. This principle applies to even your enemies. In Proverbs chapter 25, verse 21 and 22, if your enemy is hungry, give him bread. If he is thirsty, give him water. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head, and the Lord will reward you. You think about when you're having that fight with your husband or your wife, and you're in the midst of it, and then he says, what's for dinner? And you say, get your own meal. When your enemy is hungry, you feed him. When they're thirsty, you give them something to drink. What a different posture. What a different spirit. And this is what wise friends understand. I love you unconditionally, even though you're my enemy. Because didn't Jesus love us when we were his? And then you don't give him food because you know how much it's going to burn him. Here's your meal. <laughs> Take that. I was nice when you were mean. Now feel bad. That's not the idea of this. The idea of this is your kind actions, your forgiving actions, your loving actions will then affect the actions of the other person. And it will affect it in such a powerful, unnoticeable, unmistaking way. So much better than getting that last jab in or getting that last attack. And the Lord will reward you. So, wise friends make the best friends because they're forgivers, not list makers. Here's a couple of questions we want to ask ourselves. How has Jesus demonstrated forgiveness for you? What are the things that you've done that have harmed Jesus? And has he held on to them? Has he held them against you? Has he kept a list? And he says, no, you can't be my son. You can't be my daughter. We can't be in good standing because this is your name. And these are the things you have done. No, Jesus demonstrated his love for you. That while you were still a sinner, he died for you. He said, I will give my whole self for you, even though you're not giving anything to me. That was the demonstration that Jesus gave us. And if you're here tonight and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, you are missing a relationship with the best friend possible. He has already given everything for you. He has given himself totally and completely so that your offenses could be covered, so that you could be forgiven, and that you could be in a right standing with God. He takes his holiness and gives it to you so that you can stand holy before the holy God of the universe. And when you have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, the ultimate best friend, you then become a son or daughter of God. 
So I want to invite you, those of you who are here tonight and you don't know if you're, if you're walking with Jesus or if you have a relationship with Jesus, you don't know if you believe, I want to invite you to believe. Just accept the Lord Jesus Christ's gift of salvation in the simple, by making the simple decision to becoming a Jesus follower. And if you have any more questions about that, you can jump online and you can go right onto the top banner. It says saved. You can click on that and read more about what it means to be a Jesus follower. But this is Jesus' demonstration. Now the gospel permeates our salvation and then it should permeate our lives and our relationships. Because of Jesus' unconditional forgiveness, we then should be quick to forgive. Are you? Are you quick to forgive? Are you good at forgiving? If there's one tool that you need to have in your toolbox for life, it's the forgiveness tool. It's the most powerful and most effective tool that you can carry. Forgiving people is so much better than holding it against them. Forgiving people is so much more awesome than being mad at people. Forgiving people is way cooler than being bitter with someone or towards someone. Yeah, but they did, and you don't know, and the way that they, go ahead and keep living like that. It's not near as cool as saying, I love them. <laughs> I love that person. But they, yes, yeah, so did you in some way, shape, or form. Let's become good at forgiving because God says it's the way to live. Because God's the one that's demonstrated it for us. Because it works and you can try to argue against it. It just does. So are you good at forgiving? Is there anyone you haven't forgiven? Are you holding an offense right now? Are you upset with somebody? Have you listed, have you blacklisted them? Have you put them aside? Let me encourage you tonight. If only this, just forgive that person. Forgive them completely. And I want to demonstrate forgiveness in this moment in time, right? So if I'm holding on to something that I'm mad at, this is what forgiveness means. I just let it go. But what about just let it go? But they will let it go. If I let it go, let it go. Number three, and the final reason that we'll look at tonight about wise friends, why wise friends make the best friends, is they lovingly correct not flatter. Now you may think in forgiveness that that means we never talk about stuff that's going on. And that's not correct. There is a way to lovingly correct someone. There is a way to lovingly rebuke and to inform someone of something that they are doing wrong that shouldn't be done. I don't have to hold it against them. I don't have to hold on to it. I don't have to make a list for it. But because I love them, I want to lovingly correct them. Wise friends understand this. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 6. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the enemy, are the kisses of an enemy. I had a group of friends in college, and we would walk from our dorm, which is at one end of campus, to lunch, which is at the other end of campus. And we had an unspoken rule about capturing any wayward squirrel that might come into our attention. And it was, it was unspoken because there was no assignments. We didn't have a front flank and a left flank and the, U, the drop kicker. I mean, we just went into positions. If we saw a squirrel, we just immediately made a semicircle and started going after that squirrel. We just, we, it was a great day when we caught a squirrel. 
and, and someone would guard the base of all the trees because that's the first place a squirrel wants to go is they want to go up a tree. And so a lot of times if we want to catch the squirrel, sometimes we would get some like food and we'd have it with us or we were carrying something and the squirrel was there and he's eating, right? And you, you and I both know that we want to catch the squirrel. We want to capture the squirrel. We want to put the squirrel in our backpack and squirrels don't like that. But the squirrel doesn't know that. And so if, if me, as the enemy of the squirrel, sees the squirrel and we get the trees guarded and the squirrel's just, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get my food out and I'm going to go, come here, squirrel. Come, come here. Come get the, the pretty little banana that I got from the cafeteria. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna like it. Are those, are those good kisses or bad kisses? Those are bad kisses. <laughs> If you have people in your life that all they're doing is telling you how great you are, how awesome you are, they're constantly just flattering you and, and just giving you yes after yes after yes after yes of no challenge, those are not real friends. Because you and I both know that we've got something wrong in our lives. You and I both know that we don't always make the best decisions. You and I both know that we're not perfect. And if my friends are always treating me as perfect and they're never, never lovingly correcting me, then they're not a true friend. But faithful are the wounds of a friend. When someone comes up to you and says, listen, you need to know this. You've got salad in your teeth. And it's been staring at me all day. And I know you're going into that important meeting and I just didn't want, please don't be offended that I'm telling you you have something in your teeth, but you have something in your teeth. That is a wound. You are embarrassed. You can't believe it was in your teeth. But that person loved you so much to, in spite of salad in your teeth, they still loved you. In spite of salad in your teeth, they still forgive you. But they lovingly corrected you. And they helped you overcome or deal with something that was a problem. That would have ultimately hurt you. Proverbs 25 verse 12 says, like gold rings or an ornament of gold, is a wise reprover to a listening ear. It's so valuable to have somebody and to have some buddies in your life who will come up to you and say, you need to change this. You need to work on this. Because you do. You know, if I got home every Sunday night after our talks here together and I went to my wife, I said, so honey, how was the message? And every night she went, it was the best. Like, totally amazing, I would know something was wrong. Because they're not that. But if she says, you could have been a little shorter, this could have happened a little bit different, this wasn't quite clear, that to me is so much more valuable than amazing. Because it helps. You want people in your life. And when you are wise, when you are a listener, you understand the value of those things. Proverbs 9, 8 to 9 says, don't do not reprove a scoffer, or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man, and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will still be wiser. So in these verses, you think about how, about how you receive criticism. Let's just think for a moment about how you give loving correction. And if someone fits into the category of fool, they are not going to appreciate your correction. So, so give your loving correction with an ounce of wisdom. As a matter of fact, there will be times where someone is so deep in a behavior pattern, so deep in something that they will definitely not, definitely not appreciate your words. Then it just says, don't. Don't. It's not going to work. And there are more Proverbs that talk about how you handle someone's foolish behavior 
And when words won't work, actions will. And Proverbs talk about how to lovingly give reproof through actions and not through words. And we could talk about that at another time. Think about this quote from Charles Spurgeon. He says this, True friends put enough trust in you to tell you openly of your faults. Give me a friend, uh, give me for a friend the man who will speak honestly of me before my face, who will not tell first one neighbor. That man is a true friend. He has proven himself to be so. For we never get any praise for telling people their faults. Why, thank you very much for telling me how dumb I was. We rather hazard their dislike. A man will sometimes thank you for it, but he does not often like you any better. It's a bit of a thankless job to be a loving corrector. Not someone rushing to confrontation, but because we genuinely care about that person, we cannot leave them in the state that they are in. And God has brought us in their life to lovingly correct them. Do you have people in your life who are faithful? Do you have people in your life who are forgivers? And do you have people in your life who are loving correctors? If so, those make the best friends. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 17 says this, Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. Iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Friendships are iron and sharpening iron relationships. The way that you treat other people and the way that other people treat you can cause incredible sharpening in your life. Pastor Scott came up and talked to you a little bit about groups. And in our groups, we're really encouraged about loving, about serving. We want to see people connect and build relationships. In our groups is where we encourage you to find friendships. In our groups is where you, we encourage you to be a friend and to establish some relationships where iron can sharpen iron. And in a lot of our groups, you'll have large group times where you'll have 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 people praying together, caring together, serving together, reaching together. And that's awesome. But within our group system, we encourage you to break into even smaller groups. And we call them clusters. And in those cluster relationships, it can be one-on-one, -on -one, it can be uh, three uh, guys together, girls together, that's the opportunity where you really get to get into some deeper conversations that are more personal, that are more specific to your lives, and you can really start to sharpen each other. Listen, if you're here today and you don't have this kind of relationship in your life, we believe that the church is where you should find these types of relationships. These are where you should find the people that are ready to sharpen you and you are ready to sharpen other people. If you're not investing in relationships for your own benefit, you should be investing in relationships for the benefit of others. Because iron sharpens iron, so does one man sharpen his friend. And we hope that as we build this church, as we build these groups, that there's all kinds of relationships that are forming that are based on wisdom. And therefore, they're the best relationships that you can possibly have. So I want to encourage you tonight to just pray about the friends that either have in your life or the friends that you could have in your life that make the best friends and go after it. Wife, new mom, there is another wife or another mom in this room who's been there and does that, who you can sharpen and who can sharpen you. Business leader, coach, teacher, student, dad, granddad, there are relationships available to you in this room now where you can sharpen someone else and they can sharpen you.
Let's just real briefly watch this video of what an ironing sharpened iron relationship looks like. Ask her if, if he would meet with me. And he agreed. He, he said the one stipulation was that this wasn't a mentor mentory relationship, but this would be a friendship and we would uh, sharpen each other and we would both share the things that were going on in our life. And so we did, and that was about nine years ago, and we've been meeting ever since. Kurt and I, for the past nine years, have been meeting at Norm's, the sit-down restaurant. Neither of us have ever forgotten about our, our 6 a.m. appointment. One of the things about Kurt is he, he tells you how it is. And so one time I was sharing with him at Norm's, we were sitting down, and I was talking to him about an argument that my wife and I had. Louis explained to me what was happening and what was going on, that it wouldn't be right for me to say, oh, I'm so sorry, Louis, I'm so sorry that's happening to you. No, that wouldn't have helped him at all. I got this look from him with those piercing eyes and he made two fists and his fist slammed down on the table and he goes, oh, Louis, get over yourself. And that was his way of telling me, hey, it's not about you. And that was just some of the best advice that I've ever gotten from anyone. None of us, no matter what age we are, have ever arrived. And as a result, uh, Louis has helped me to grow, to become the person God wants me to become. What really helped him was when I did say, it's not about you, it's about the Lord Jesus Christ. And he wants you to be a better husband, a better father, and a better man of God. As Proverbs says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Uh, that, that's been the crux of our relationship. I feel like I'm a better man, a better husband, a better father, a better friend for the times that, that Kurt and I have spent together, encouraging one another, praying for one another, uh, lifting one another up. No matter where I'm at, I'm always going to need somebody in my life telling me that it's not about me to get over yourself. Interesting last phrase, no matter where you are, you're always going to need somebody. No matter where you are in life right now, you need somebody. You need somebody in your life who can be that ironing sharpened ironing friend, and somebody needs you. Somebody needs you to be that friend. You might be here tonight, and you may be new to faith or just considering faith. You need someone in your life who can help show you what it means to walk with Jesus and how to do that. You may have been someone who's walked with Jesus for a long time. You need to get together with someone who doesn't know how to walk with Jesus. And you guys can come together and you can sharpen each other. We want to encourage these relationships. So where do I start? First, we want to encourage you to pray. If you need an iron sharpening iron relationship or you need to shore up a relationship or you need to repair a relationship, just take that request to God. God, I'm, I'm a mom and I feel like I'm all alone. I need someone I need a friend. And take that request to God, and God will provide that friend too. We want to encourage you to lean into groups and to lean into some of those relationships that groups provide. It's a great first place to look. And we don't, can't guarantee that that's going to be where something clicks, but we can guarantee that it's sure going to help. And we want you to just be effective in building relationships and finding these kinds of friends. So what makes a good friend? A good friend is somebody who is dependable. The best friends are somebody who is forgiving and the best friends lovingly correct. Now you may be sitting here tonight doing a great job thinking about other people in your life. And in this moment I want you to stop. 
And I don't want you to walk away from here judging your other friendships. I want you to think tonight about the kind of friend that you are. Does this list describe you? Is this the kind of friend that you are striving to be? We can't control other people. We can't change other people. Let's leave that to God. We can only take care of changing ourselves. And tonight, I want, and my prayer is, that you would be a wise friend so that you can be the best kind of friend. And this is what it takes to be a wise best friend. Somebody who loves unconditionally. Somebody who forgives freely. And somebody who lovingly corrects. Does that describe you? And if you need to look at this anymore, that does describe Jesus. He is our ultimate example of the wisest and therefore the best friend. So run to Jesus and then follow his example as you connect with other people. Tonight I want to encourage you to fill out these cards. If we can pray for your friendships, pray for your relationships. Any answers to these questions, I'm, I'm upset with somebody, help just pray that I forgive them. We'll do that for you if you write it there on this card. If you want to join any of the email lists, just do all those kinds of things. I'm going to pray here in a moment. Brandon's going to come out and lead us in a song. For the first part of that song, I want to encourage you just to respond on the cards, to have some moments of quiet before the Lord. And then after that song is done or during that song, we'll collect the cards. We don't take an offering here at Branch Life Church. We believe that's something that you do before the Lord. But for those of you that are our family members here at Branch Life, uh, we want to encourage you to give. We want to encourage you to be a part of giving to the Lord on a regular basis. We thank you for doing that because it makes everything possible what we're doing and what we're celebrating here now. And so at, at the end of the service, if you would like to give, there are boxes available in the back or you can do that online anytime. As these baskets are passed, those are passed just simply for your cards. And if you didn't get a chance to fill out your card before the basket came by, you can drop it on your way out in the buckets as the greeters are there standing for you. Let's pray together. God, Heavenly Father, as we think about the area of friendship, we pray, God, that you would uh, empower us to be the best kinds of friends that we can be. Help us to, to be wise in our friendships. Help us to be wise in our relationships. And we know, Lord, that in every season, everybody needs somebody. And so we pray that you would strengthen the friendships of our husbands and wives. We pray that you would strengthen the friendships of siblings, brothers, and sisters. And Lord, we pray that you would strengthen the friendships that we have of mentors and mentorees as, as uh, brothers and sisters in Christ coming together to sharpen one another. And Lord, if there's any out here that, that are alone in this moment, that are void of these kinds of friendships, God, I pray that you would send a friendship their way. And Lord, if there are any of here that are ready to give that kind of friendship, Lord, I pray that you would help them to give it freely. If there are friendships that need to be restored or repaired, forgiveness needs to be given, God, we pray that we would be able to do that openly and honestly. So Lord, as we consider in these moments what you are saying to us tonight, God, we pray that you would move in our hearts. And we thank you for the opportunity that we have to worship you here in this time. Speak to us now. In your precious name we pray. Amen.